Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. A podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, I'm Fiona MacArthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales. The Sheep Extension Network in New South Wales, which is funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 2,200 and our main aim is to help keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep. Uh, There's been plenty of talk in recent times from parts of industry that are now experiencing improved seasonal conditions around the topic of joining new land as a strategy to rebuild or indeed improve business productivity. I'm joined by Nathan Scott of Achieve Ag Solutions in Inverlee, Victoria. Know that in parts there's been um, there's many people trialling joining new lands uh, and, and with varying levels of success. Nathan's an agricultural consultant who works with individuals and groups of farmers and um, and many of those farmers that he works with are, are joining new lands and have been for a little while. And today we're going to explore this interesting topic with him today. Thanks, Nathan, for your time today. Uh, I could chat for hours on this subject. It's just such a fascinating um, topic, and and I guess um, it's not something that we really need to to undertake in a in a whimsical sort of way. It's clear that there's a lot that goes into uh, setting up your 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 ewe lambs for for a, a successful joining. So how do we go about setting ourselves up to get the you know the things right? Uh, so as you suggest, it is a complex. Uh, situation in trying to get ewe lambs prepared and ready for joining and to get a successful result out of them. So the first and foremost, um, people tend to want a, a, just a simple recipe, how do I do it? But it's it's a bit more complicated than just being able to give someone uh, a list of things to make sure they get right. It is, it's more than the recipe. It's a lot of it's in the cooking, as we say. Um, so the, the highest priority to get right first and foremost is the weight and the age of the ewe lambs. And so if we start with age for, for a start, the age of the lambs has a significant impact because lambs will start to hit their puberty um, at around about six months of age or thereabouts. Now there's, there's a lot of variation there within breed and, and between breeds, but give or take a bit, we're talking around about that six months of age. And so we've got, an opportunity there to be able to join you lambs at around six to seven to eight months of age, even out to nine months of age. Um, and the older the lambs are, the better our conception rates are likely to be. But the downside of taking lambs through to, to an older age before we join them is then the challenge of actually getting them back in line with our main joining. Uh, and so that, that throws some complexities in for them as a second lammer um, and potentially even as a third lammer as we're trying to get things back in line. The, the other component there that I mentioned is weight, um, and clearly we need to set some significant targets for achieving the, the right joining weights, because again, it's it's intrinsically linked in uh, in achieving puberty in those ewe lambs and being able to actually get them cycling and available to the ram. So the sorts of targets that we're looking at um, for weight, we, we're essentially looking at 45 kilograms as a minimum, uh, or 70% of their standard reference weight, whichever number is bigger. So if we're talking about a 50 kilo merino or a 55 kilo animal, 
Um, we are looking at around that 45 kilograms as our target joining weight, and that's not an average. We're looking that for that to be the minimum target for joining. Uh, but if we're looking at, at, say, a 75 or an 80 kilo standard reference weight animal, then we're looking at more around that sort of 50 to 53 kilograms. So it, that 70% of standard reference weight starts to kick in as a target for us. Nathan, is, is heavier better? Like, so you, you talk about it as a minimum. So if you can get them at 75% of their standard reference weight or, you know, extra kilos on them, is that going to translate into extra lambs? Absolutely. Uh, heavier, in my opinion, heavier is always better. Um, it's it's a case of being able to try and get them there well ahead of time so that they have hit puberty. So the other thing we don't want to be doing is is chasing our tail at the last minute, trying to get those extra kilos onto them. We want to give them time at that weight. Um, so that's why I would always suggest that, that heavier is better, um, along with, with age. So the, the two in combination are what drive our most successful results. It's really important to um, to think about setting them up. You, obviously, the last minute isn't going to work in that situation when you've got some biology at, at play. And what about the seasonality? Like, is this something that you can do if you're a spring joiner and a or an autumn joiner? Is it something that, that you see uh, with the same degree of success across the year? Um, so seasonality is absolutely a factor in this. And while we talk about merinos not being as seasonal, they certainly still are seasonal. So we know that once we get, um, and it's all about day length, sheep are highly responsive to day length. So once we get past the longest day of the year in December, that's when we start to see uh, the percentage of youth cycling increase. And that sort of peaks in, around, in and around the end of February. And we're very confident that we're seeing um, a, a major impact of seasonality in new lambs. So ideally, we'd prefer not to be joining any ewe lambs before, say, the 1st of March. Um, now, that's a, a challenge depending on when your mature mob are lambing or your main lambing is um, or your main joining is, but it's certainly a factor that needs to be considered. So if you are joining out of season, if you're a November joiner, um, then I would suggest that it's a, a very difficult task to try and get ewe lambs to ovulate at that time. And it may simply just deem it not economically viable for you. I, I would be reluctant personally um, to be trying to join new lambs out, out of season. And our recommendation to our clients is basically not, certainly not before the 1st of February and ideally not until the 1st of March. It's certainly um, fraught with risk and it's that, that biological uh, basically the you know the switch which is related to the day length so an important consideration there for for anybody who is a spring joiner and um so just so we, we, we get our our ewe lambs up to weight and we're going to proceed as as um, per our plan what sort of joining lengths are you finding optimum and what type of um, percentage of rams would you normally put in with ewe lambs yep so I'll start with the the ram percentage. Um, because it's it's probably been the single biggest change we've we've had in our recommendations over the last five years or so, um, and that has been a shift to three percent rams in with our ewe lambs. It's it's a lot of rams, and it uh, the ram breeders love me saying it because uh, it's more rams for them to sell. But it has had a significant impact, and the reason for that is the time that a ewe lamb is available to the ram. So her length of of cycle, um, her her availability is about half that of what a mature ewe will be 
available to the ram for. So from, say, 24 hours for a mature ewe down to 12 hours for a ewe lamb. And so that, that window of opportunity is quite small, um, coupled with the fact that she wanders around the paddock fairly oblivious to what's going on, as opposed to mature ewes who will actually go looking for the ram. And so if we don't have enough rams in with the, with the um, ewe lambs, they physically won't find them um, while they're available to the ram. So the higher percentage just allows us that greater ram to you contact and a better opportunity for them to actually find them and, and get a successful mating. So it's, it's been the single biggest change in our recommendations. Um, in terms of the joining length, historically we've stuck with a five-week joining because, um, because two, weeks, uh, two cycles over five weeks is the, the preferred option. Um, the challenge for that is is getting that timing right. And so the majority of our clients have been operating still on a five-week joining or five to six-week joining for their ewe lambs um, around two weeks to a month after the start of the main joining. Now, that obviously means that we can't rejoin um, using the same rams. We can't reuse the rams. And that's not really a preferred option of mine anyway. I'd prefer to have a team specifically set up for that for that ewe lamb joining but um, our other option that we've been looking at in more recent times is actually to go with an extended joining for the ewe lambs um, and that's come about as a as a result of we've had op occasions where we've had ewes that have had clearly the right joining weight and age um, but we've still ended up with a higher dry percentage than than we should have theoretically achieved and i suspect that some of that is early embryonic loss so ewes who were who had actually reached puberty that were travelling quite well at the point the rams were introduced have conceived, but then have had early embryonic loss, and by the time they've actually recovered from that, started cycling again, um, we've actually already removed the rams, and so they're quite fit, healthy ewe lambs who were cycling, who just haven't managed to hold on to that embryo, and so as a result of that, we've actually in some systems move to joining, starting the joining at exactly the same time as the the um, main joining, knowing full well that we won't end up with very many successful conceptions in the first cycle. Um, and then continuing that joining for an additional five weeks after that. So we end up with an eight week joining. Um, it's longer than I would normally have historically recommended, but if we start at the same time as the main joining, it only pushes it three weeks longer um, at the end and we actually scan them twice so we scan them with the main joining so that the scanner can identify any easily identified fetuses um, and pull those ewes aside and then we actually rescan them again for the last five weeks um, as if it's a separate joining so it gives us a bit more flexibility to to have had some of those ewe lambs conceive and potentially lose a fetus um, then back up again and rejoin so we're, um, it's a work in progress, but I think it's an option for, for people looking to try and get more fetuses on board. It certainly means that we've got to work a little bit harder if we're joining them at the same time. We've, we've got to work a little bit harder to make sure that they're meeting those targets early on in their life so that we've got them at those weights um, importantly, that little bit earlier than if, if we were delaying it and giving them a few extra weeks to, to hit those um, higher weights, doesn't it? Absolutely. You've got no, there's no flexibility. If we're, 
trying to join at the same time as the main joining, then there's there's no compromises. You have to get the weight into them early. And I, I suppose one of my key take-home messages for people is you don't go chasing that that extra weight that we need for joining in the month leading up to joining. We should really be hitting our joining weight targets well ahead of, of joining. And the reality is a lot of that can actually be done, well, even whilst you're still on mum, through to that weaning period and immediately post-weaning, that's when we should be getting the majority of the growth into those lambs, the majority of that live weight that we're chasing. And then it's topping up from that point on through until through to the joining start. And at the start of joining, we still want to make sure that that ewe is travelling really well. Um, ultimately, we want her body, the feedback mechanisms within her body to be telling her life's good, I'm in good condition, I'm the right live weight, uh, the season feels great because nutrition's good. If, if her feedback mechanisms are telling her all those things, we're a good chance of getting her in lamb. And what about the use of teasers? Is that something that, that you think is beneficial? So you put the teasers in, um, you know, possibly before you start your main joining? Yeah, so we have had clients using teasers. So going in that sort of 15 to 17 days prior to the start of joining and the whole aim of the teaser is to, it's got two main methods or two main outcomes that we're chasing with a, a teaser in a ewe lamb situation. So the first is the same as what we're doing with mature ewes and that is to try and synchronise those ewes. So get some, some um, sexual activity visible within the system so that they actually synchronise and are all cycling at the same time. But the other part of it in ewe lambs or the unique part of it in ewe lambs is that that same visual stimulus of seeing uh, rams or teasers jumping will actually cause some of those ewes that were just bordering on whether they had actually um, achieved puberty or not. It can tip them over so that we actually get end up with more ewe lambs having reached puberty by the time the rams enter. It's pretty pretty fascinating and, and, and I guess it's an important element to think about when you're thinking, well, we really want to try and, you know, make every post a winner. Just um, what do you do with the, the dries? What's your, your strategy with the ones that scan dry as you lambs? Um, there's a few significant factors in that one that determine the outcome. It, ultimately, it depends on whether you're trying to build numbers and how desperately you're trying to build numbers. For a lot of people at the moment around the country, if it's got a mouth and a heartbeat, it's probably going to stay um, because if she didn't conceive and, and lamb as a ewe lamb, we still want to be able to join her as a one-and-a-half-year-old. Um, it also has to pass my usual test of is it her fault or yours. So even if you've got really good numbers and you're quite happy with the sheep you've got around you, you're not desperately trying to build numbers, any culling decision has to be... Um, assessed under the, the guise of is it her, her fault or yours? Um, and if it's not clearly her fault that she didn't get in lamb, then maybe you're culling someone who is still genetically quite a good animal um, and it may well have fallen at the feet of your management that she didn't get in, in lamb. So um, where we've got a system, though, where we've got the sheep firing really well, we're getting really good conception rates in new lambs, then there's a, there's a strict policy on all dries go. So it just depends on the individual circumstances. Where we get the opportunity, we absolutely kick out anything that didn't get in lamb. Okay. I guess while we're talking about joining and, and getting in lamb, um, have have you experienced many people uh, joining in containment with ewe lambs, like just to try and, you know, help with that ewe ram contact 
in a more confined area or a small paddock? Is there any paddock effects that you're seeing or anything like that? Um, so we have had people join new lambs in containment with quite good success because, as you say, it does help with that ram new contact. Um, and ultimately, as long as we're managing the nutrition, I'm not concerned whether they're in containment or whether they're out in the paddock. Um, it's I think we do get some advantages anytime where we are trail feeding um, or feed or accumulating all of the sheep in one area for feed. So even trail feeding out in the paddock, it still provides an opportunity for the rams because all of the sheep are gathered in one area and they can the the, the ram to you contact is quite good. Um, and season will determine for for the majority of our clients whether you lambs are joined in containment or or out in the paddock. But we've got a significant amount of containment being used, um, more and more so with with specific containment containment areas being developed. Uh, so I expect that we'll see even more of that happening in the future. Excellent. It's one more question just with regards to joining and, and reproduction is with these ones that, that do join as you lambs, uh, are they naturally more fertile and they're going to go on to give you better repro consistently throughout their life? Um, so you will, so that the research has shown they will mark more lambs for the rest of their life. Some of that though is coming simply out of behavioural um, aspects. So Lambing is a one and a half year old, for instance, they've already been there and done that. So they're one and a half year old lambing, they've got an advantage, provided they are given the opportunity to express their potential. So that's the big asterisk that I put on that one. Um, it's no good achieving a great new lamb lambing if we don't look after them coming back around as, as second lambers as a one and a half year old, uh, because we can quickly undo all of the good work we've done by penalising our one and a half year old joining. And, and any lambs that we've managed to gain out of a ewe lamb, we've actually just pulled out of a, a second lambing because we're not looking after them well enough. So post lambing of ewe lambs is critical to make sure that the, the next year, which would ordinarily have been your maidens, um, they're actually hitting those targets as well. Um, do you put a target around them as the equivalent of an adult ewe or do you sort of give them a little bit of leeway because they're only the 18 months of age? Um, so. In terms of a, a scanning percentage, we would expect them to to not quite hit the targets of the mature ewes. Um, but when we look after them really well, they do they do achieve some amazing scanning results. So one of our clients this year, his uh, one and a half year olds who lambed as ewe lambs last year scanned at one hundred and ninety five percent this year. So we know they can do it. Um, wow. They need to be able to express their potential though. That's that's all in our hands. It's it's a product of management how well they back up second time around. That's a spectacular result, Nathan, isn't it? Um, just on that, what are some of the other results that you're seeing? Obviously, there's, you can see some, some spectacularly uh, positive results. Um, and I'm, I'm gathering that because it's a, a little bit risky and we've got to you know, tick every box along that journey, that there can be some equally spectacular results in the, the negative um, area. What, what kind of results are you seeing um, this year? Um, so the best of our clients this year have scanned ewe lambs at 157% um, with only 9% dry. And I'd rate that as probably, I think it's probably the best I've ever seen. Um, those lambs were a little bit older. They were eight to nine months old because they were bought in and they were, they were born a couple of months earlier than his lambing. So um, he got an advantage out of that. There was another one though who, who managed to um, crack 151% with only 12% dry. And um, 
that was made up of some bought in and some bred himself. Uh, they were all, though, of that younger age group. So um, they were only in that seven to eight months of age. And um, so that, that makes that one an exceptional result as well. So, um, But on the, on the flip side of it, um, we've had a couple of clients who shifted their joining date just to try and simplify their system. Um, so those who were scanning in the 130s or better in their ULAMs, um, they pulled their scanning back to to be in line so that it it was just a five-week joining at the same time as the mature ewes, um, and they've cost themselves some fetuses. So they've only ended up with um, one mob at 106% and the other lot at 118. When I say only, that's still a very good result, but um, they're kicking themselves a bit. It was just a product of age. Those lambs were, were only just six, six and a half months of age uh, at joining. And so um, that one's brought them unstuck a little bit, even though they had the weight. The, the weights in those lambs were quite good. Um, we've had some others that are joined slightly out of season. So they're earlier in February um, in first cross use and you start seeing the dry percentage jump up significantly. So some of those are up close to 30% dries um, and without many twins on board as well. So they're, they're only in the, in the 90s in terms of percentages overall. Um, and our, our one client who we've had a Merino lamb scanning result back from already, 31% um, dry overall with 93% in lamb. So it's a, um, a good result, I would say, for them in their system. And if those lambs, because they were genuinely six to seven months of age at joining, if they were seven to eight months or eight to nine months, then then they would have been a better result again. Um, we do see some some disastrous results occasionally. Um, I heard of one this year where they only end up with about, uh, I think it was about 40% of the the ewe lambs uh, in lamb, and um, and 60% dry, and in almost every case where that happens it's relatively straightforward to unpack what happened. It'll almost always be either age, weight, or seasonality. Or if they've got a good twin percentage in the mix, but not enough of them in lamb, we then look at ram percentage as the other likely target. Fascinating, isn't it? You know, like there's, there's some of those facets that we've just got to get right. And and you talk a little bit about that, that poorer conception rate. Undertaking a... And, and incorporating joining new lambs into your management isn't without the risk. And you know, you've you've got to tick every box along the way there to set yourself up for some success. And otherwise that there's going to be some risks by the sounds of things. And you know, realistically, is there a point where you can sort of go, well, this isn't going to work? Um, so there's a couple of stop go points for me along the way. Um, the first one is that seasonality thing. I, I would suggest that if you're if you are going to join them before the middle of February, then I would be really hesitant about doing it because no matter how well you set them up, no matter how much feed you throw at them and, and what live weight you might get them to, um, you might have them at exactly the right live weight, exactly the right age, but they're just not going to cycle because of seasonality. So that that's a, a clear stop-go point for me. The other one is if we're sitting in November with a failed spring uh, and the writings on the wall that things are going to be tough between now and joining, then I'd be hesitant to go throwing all of my resources at you lambs, particularly if we've got a limited amount of resources available to us. Um, we we will often get 
a much bigger payback out of throwing those same resources at the rest of our ewes who are known proven performers um, allow them to really express their potential and and they will repay you in lamb survival as well whereas you lambs we can throw a lot of a lot of resources at them and still end up with a mediocre result so there are a couple of the key ones for me is we need to be able to make those clear decisions at that at that point the other one i suppose before we even get to that point is is to actually understand what your current level of performance is and if, if you're not already getting good um, marking percentages out of your maidens and good scanning percentage out of your maidens at one and a half years old um, I would fix that problem before I went chasing a ewe lamb joining. Interesting and yeah really important not to be distracted with a, a riskier cohort of animals um, in terms of, of getting getting those maidens up and, and doing their job properly as well. Just um. We're sort of starting to run a little bit short on time. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about the economics and, you know, do they stack up? How well do they stack up? And what do people really need to think about when they're looking into undertaking some of this? They can obviously look at their, their management, but, again, if it's going to cost them um, more than what, what the um, exercise is going to repay them, it's going to sort of, you know, not really stack up as a, as a good bit of management. So what sort of... Um, uh, things do you think that people should be really considering when they're doing the figures on on such an undertaking? Yeah. So first of all, um, one of the common misconceptions that people create for themselves is they look at how much grain they fed to the ewe lambs and say, look how much it's cost us um, to get those lambs up to weight. And part of the problem with that is we know that our weaners don't come for free. We've still got to feed them. So you need to be able to differentiate between what you would have already fed just to keep your um, your young sheep alive and healthy and, and growing out well anyway. Um, you need to be able to differentiate between that and what the extra was that was put into actually getting those ewe lambs up to weight. Uh, as I said earlier, if we can do it well early in the season, then it takes a lot less supplementary feed to do it. And then our supplementary feed is, is used predominantly for maintenance and just ticking them along with a bit of extra growth um, in the mix. So. As a, as a rough rule of thumb, though, we're taking what was a, a 1 to, say, 1.3 DSE animal as a dry sheep, um, and we are that, that's just ticking along and growing a bit, and we're taking it out to being a breeding ewe. So if we add an extra DSE in variable costs, which is um, plenty, uh, given that we're, we're those variable costs don't all increase. We're not shearing the animal twice. We're not adding twice as much drenching or anything. We're simply adding some extra costs for the fact that she's now a breeding ewe as opposed to just a dry sheep. So the majority of that's going to be in supplementary feed. If we add a an extra DSE in variable costs, which is around about $20 um, based on benchmarking for a, a higher input system, um, then we've got to be able to recoup that. And we're not spending a dollar to make a dollar. So we then need to be able to look at what the the costs or the, the income that we can generate from a, a ewe lamb joined is going to be. And clearly the two factors that, that dictate what our income is going to be are the number of lambs marked or the percentage of lambs marked per ewe joined and then it's the net lamb value of every lamb that we produce out of them. And when we say net lamb value, we're not talking about what our sale value is of that lamb because lambs don't come for free. So once we wean that lamb, they still don't come for free. We've then got to spend some money to get it through to a good saleable product. So, for instance, a $100 lamb might have a net value of, say, $80. Um, 
and that's that's they're the two numbers that we use basically to be able to generate a figure to say if we've got for instance um ewe lambs marking 60 percent so 60 percent lambs to use joined and we've got a net sale value or a net value of the lambs of 80 dollars then those ewes every ewe joined has the equivalent of 48 dollars worth of income generated and if it's cost us 20 dollars to produce 48 dollars worth of income you need to make your own business decision around whether that's a good business decision or not. Um, and certainly if you're marking below 60%, no matter what your net land value is, it becomes very, very difficult to justify. But clearly as we move into some of the, the higher uh, marking percentages, some a number of our clients this year, their, their ewe lambs are targeted at marking 100% plus um, lambs marked to use join. And if we can achieve that and in today's market, um, with higher lamb prices, even selling the lambs off those ewe lambs as stores, uh, we'd be looking at a net value of around about $110 per lamb joined. And that's that's obviously a lot easier to justify the $20 of cost that might have gone in or thereabouts um, when we, we've got that sort of income being generated. So it's, a, it's the two factors that come into play, our overall marking percentage to use joined and the net lamb value that we can generate out of the lambs produced. I guess that's another challenge is to, um, you know, have have lambs that are born out of the ewe lambs that are going to do do their job as well and go forward. Just on um, on joining, I just want to revisit that uh, finally. Are there any special attributes for rams that you want to um, see if you're joining ewe lambs, or are you just happy with people just using um, just buy more rams the same of what they've already had? Uh, so good point, and both of your points are actually linked. So in terms of the quality of the lambs that we've got to sell um, uh, or or to keep retain within our own system, those lambs born from a ewe lamb are always going to struggle a bit. Um, we need to have that as a realistic expectation. And they're going to struggle a bit because a ewe lamb won't milk as well. Um, they'll be Those lambs will be born with a slightly lower birth weight um, and we just won't get the same sort of growth out of them. We're also often... Um, as we talked about earlier, joining them a little bit later than the main mob, which means that potentially they don't get the same sort of opportunity in spring to finish. So it means that we've got to be uh, both realistic and considered in the, in the types of RAM that we actually use. So um, in a cross, crossbred or composite operation, we're generally only ever using a, a terminal sire because we just want a lamb out of those ewe lambs that we can then move on quite quickly, sell them as a store lamb, or if the season permits, take them on and grow them out ourselves as a, as a trade lamb. Um, and in that situation, we, we're very specific in what we want. So it's not just the same rams you're using through the rest of the mature use. We're looking for low to moderate birth weights, um, high growth, high fat and high muscle. And the reason for those, particularly the, the high fat and high muscle, the growth is pretty self-explanatory, but the high fat and the high muscle makes them a good finished saleable product or at least a good presentable saleable product, even as a store lamb. Um, and, and it works incredibly well when we use the right genetics, which you can only do using um, lamb plan or, or merino select um, to know those fat and muscle sort of figures. But it's, it's a case of actually selecting the right ram for the right job. The issue when we look at, at joining merino ewe lambs is what society uses over them. Even with a low to moderate birth weight terminal sire, we still have some risk of, of um, dystocia uh, with higher birth weights in those. Um, 
the other alternative is that we use a merino ram over those ewe lambs and the downside there is that those progeny aren't going to be they're going to suffer all of those same setbacks that we talked about earlier lower birth weight uh, poorer growth because the ewe lamb isn't milking as well and so they are a bit of a challenge those progeny to actually get up and get them useful within your own system they're most likely going to need to be grown out to one and a half years old before their own joining because they just simply won't have had the start to life that we need to get a lamb up for a ewe lamb joining yeah, so creates its in in a merino self-replacing context, it creates its own little special set of complexity. Um, you know, if if you want to do that, there's some you know extra management that you're going to have to employ there to sort of you know get the best out of those. Nathan, I just wanted to say thanks for catching up with me today on it's time for you. I, as as I said earlier, I can chat for hours on this subject, and it's just so fascinating. And you know, it's interesting to hear uh, what sort of experiences you've um, had with with your client base. And um, yeah, it's it's something of, clearly for, for those who, who have been or, or are thinking about doing, it's not something that, that you can just sort of, you know, wake up one day and go, oh, I'm just gonna have a go at this. Uh, there's a lot, lot of opportunity, but the key is to get things and doing things well and setting yourself some targets. So thanks again for catching up with me today. I really appreciate your time. No, thank you very much for having me. And absolutely, it is still a work in progress. We don't claim to have all the answers yet. We've got a number of clients that have been doing it for a number of years who um, every year we're still looking to get it better. So it is a work in progress, even for those that have, have been doing it for a while. So thanks for having me. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of It's Time For You, the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. We'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the AWI podcast, The Yarn. We'd love you to stay in contact with Sheep Connect New South Wales. And you can do this in a number of ways. Join our network by visiting www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com.au. Find us at Sheep Connect New South Wales on Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events later in the year. Thanks again for joining us today. Bye for now.